Right, hello, welcome one and all to episode five of both this series of Batman I Am The Night, where we look at every episode of uh, the famous 1990s Batman the Animated Series, and episode five of the show itself, Pretty Poison. And, uh, well, the title itself gives away who we meet and what kind of shenanigans the episode will lead up to. With me, as always, is Adam Ray, writer and podcaster. And Adam, how are you? I'm doing very well. Pleasure to be back, talking about uh, another first appearance of a classic Bat-villain here in a very strong episode of this series. We've led off with some antics of the Joker, some other first appearances, and we're back to what I feel like is the true formula for these early seasons. We see Batman responding to someone new, someone different, a new threat uh, looming over Gotham, but one not as malicious or devious or destructive as some of the others, which I think is a nice change pace, wouldn't you say? Well, yeah, because she's got her own plan and her own agenda, and it's not necessarily about crime and thievery and murder unless it uh, directly goes against her mission to save the natural world and plant life from the tyranny and the monsters that are human beings. That's a very noble cause. It's one of... Usually revenge, but I think she sees it as more like a worthy retribution, in her mind at least. She's a protective mother figure to these plants, and she wants to try and make sure that they thrive and live, and uh, men are in the way of that kind of progress, and she takes her her retribution quite directly to the people she finds responsible. Absolutely. So those who haven't guessed already, yes indeed, we're talking about Pamela Isley, a.k.a. the infamous... Poison Ivy, and um, what did you think? I mean, uh, honestly, this episode has really impressed me. Um, there's no other show like this one. The way it's paced, the way it's directed, the the atmosphere, the emotion, the new musical score. Every single episode, the way it starts five years in the past, and they've muted the colours and made it look I was, older I, I really wanted to point that out it looks I would say sepia toned yeah as though you're looking at it through old newsreel or old, old photographs which I think is something that really adds to the general like look of the show Absolutely. it seems very timeless it seems very unclear as to whether it's now or in the 70s or in the 40s we get that real sense that whatever we're looking at right now isn't quite now which is why when it cuts back to five years later with her in the botany lab the br- the deep blues of the night sky from the skylight and the bright reds of the actual flowers we know oh, okay this is now and we know that it's in the past and then we see the five years later the better gotham which i thought was a nice bit of like irony and then but don't worry there's a lot of nice little gags in this episode that i'm sure we'll get to in a minute but yeah it was paced well enough to show that something that hasn't happened in the now is what we should be caring about in this episode and they framed it really well to make it look really distinct from the rest of the show oh yeah absolutely I mean from the very opening scenes where you just see these gloved delicate hands digging up this plant and we don't know why but then it pans up through I mean it's, it's shot like through the earth so you can see the plant being taken the, and the light coming into the ground and it's very organic and natural and then there's Harvey Dent and Bruce Wayne with the shovels ready to dig up the first earth and build a prison. And putting deranged criminals in a place which was a field full of flowers which were made extinct by this. And then, like you said, five years later, that same field is 
the penitentiary and the better, in air quotes, Gotham was just a really, really clever touch. It really was. There, it was nice that you said it was organic because we felt the natural progression of this is what was happening to this land and this is what we were sort of being led to see. And we almost got it from the plant's perspective, yeah, which is certainly how Poison Ivy herself would see it and the only perspective of hers that would matter. The men there are vandals and killers. They're, they're not for her to respect him. So she makes a plan five years in the making, by the seems of it. She... What do you imagine she was doing in these five years since the prison formed around where her babies used to grow? I think she was really trying to develop her understanding of science and of botany mm. and trying to find a decent way in and working out of that new lab and the stuff that Alfred was able to find out later in the episode, probably. Yeah, literally plotting her revenge and obviously gaining the funds and uh, means necessary to create the poison that, that she makes for her lipstick to uh, kill poor old Harvey Dent. And this, again, is an early appearance of the character. And he's just the coolest guy, respected, loved by everyone except Pamela or Poison Ivy herself because of something he did. And honestly... How can a penitentiary full of psychos, killers and madmen be a better world than a field full of wildflowers? And it's just that whole thing. She's a villain you can sympathise with. And I think her point's sort of proven once we cut back to what that field's become and that prison that immediately we see that that prison doesn't exactly have the best security for its airspace as mm -hmm. a prisoner hops in a helicopter and flies away in a close attempt to get out of jail free. The... Maybe the ground was wasted in her eyes, which makes her quest seem more and more valid. And we can understand it, but still, yeah. the the noble thing would be like, oh, this plant was extinct. Let's try and propagate it. Let's not take it out on the people who misused the land. But it's something that we should really try to learn and respect. Yeah, yeah. totally. Her her cause is just it's just the her methods that are are, are questionable, but. It, it, adding to the question you asked, what was she doing in the five years? Um, I don't think giant Venus flytraps that move and um, enormous cacti at the bottom of pits uh, are easy to set up. So no. she clearly had this agenda from the beginning. She planned it really well. And you do see that while she is sympathetic, she's dangerous. And when she gets mad, she's scary. That's half, that's half the point. She's very determined in what she wants to do, so the interference of Batman would be any sort of thing to to have to use the pun of being a thorn in her side. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> I like that. Very good. Um, and again, kudos to Diane Pershing, who um, is perfect for both the seductive, sweet Pamela and the dangerous poison ivy i mean the the way her contrast of voices and, and and mannerisms and attitudes is as good as kevin conroy's batman bruce wayne and that leads me to the brilliant opening scene where harvey's in the restaurant with pam and bruce is late and harvey's running commentary of what bruce is doing and why he's late i thought that was fantastic technically he told no lies yep. it's just that he was a lot more literal than what we were going with it's just a, just honestly, really a funny way to just show how good the Bruce Wayne character is that uh, Batman has created. Just that he is the suave workaholic 
billionaire guy, but he's always like he's always gets a, he always gets a leg up. He's always ro- uh, rolling in high society. Just those <laughs> dumb, honestly little throwaway lines. It's just like oh, that's just what he does. But it's more literal because he's up on high rise buildings. Yeah. He's kicking uh, bad guys in the face. It's humanizing to him, but it also shows just how well he's created the persona of oh. He couldn't be that man. He's too. He's too busy. He's too busy working. He's too irresponsible. Absolutely, it, it's it's just so so clever. And again, this is only like episode five, but I remember that I came in late to this show, as, as everyone in the UK did, because it ran for months before we got it. But I was telling people about it as soon as I saw another wink and saying, "Listen, you've got to watch this series. It's completely different." And it was gaining uh, viewers week by week by week. And again, even though it's obvious in, you could come in fresh with this episode because just that montage of Harvey saying who Bruce was and what he was doing, you could see that he was talking about Bruce Wayne, but we knew that Bruce Wayne was Batman because of the way that was paced, written, and that dialogue. Uh, he's just hung up at work, and there he was, hanging from a helicopter from his Batliner. Uh, but he still gets a kick out of what he does and kicking the bad guy in the face, like you said. He's just really, really clever. Now that I think about it, I feel like all of the episodes so far have been a lot like that. And I feel like, I hope at least, from what little I remember about this show, is that they keep that sort of, that formula going unless it gets to one of the multi-part stories. Because yeah. I feel that as long as they handle it well, they could still be well-rounded, self-contained little stories. Until such point as we get like the little looming threats of of we're safe for now, or we'll we'll grow yes. back, won't we? Because yeah, while they're not dead, they could come back, and we would need context of early episodes to do that. But here in the show's genesis, it, they are very fresh stories that we could just jump right into, and it's really refreshing. It really, really is clever. And do you not feel that every episode we've seen so far? could have been a pilot. They, they could have started the series with any one of these episodes. I'd say that as well. There's been enough well-contained, clear narrative that doesn't rely on anything else. I think that's why this has been such a strong start, because they're all clear, direct stories yeah. about Batman doing what he does, and doing what he does well. And even with the two Joker episodes, they're so worlds apart in terms of tone and and how they're made that any one of them would serve as an introduction to the Joker because they're basically chalk and cheese Jokers. And this is a perfect introduction, not just to Poison Ivy, because obviously you were sitting next to me when I jumped up with glee at the first uh, sign of Ingrid um, Oliu's wonderful Renee Montoya. That was a really pleasant surprise. Nice to see her early. She's obviously somewhat of a bit part here in the beginning of the show. She doesn't have the quite the gravitas behind her that we would know from her later on yet. And this is obviously where she would first go on to, into being a proper member of the comics. So we can really yeah. see a nice origin there. I always remember a little tidbit of saying big things of small beginnings. She was there looking after Harvey while he was in his oh, coma. Harvey. We'll get to him in a second. I have a few things I wanted to say about the irony of it all. But she's there. She's stern. She's very quick to follow Commissioner's orders while some are wanting to run back and grab their donuts. <laughs> Oh, the other Harvey. <laughs> yeah, the other Harvey. The other Harvey. Just this is one of the things this show's done well that we keep touching on. They, the human moments, the realism of these Absolutely. characters is so yeah. established. 
Even down to like the bit parts of the people we shouldn't sympathise with. What the hell was what the hell was that? The helicopter moved. Oh, it's just telling us. Just making them seem lived in. And the de- and when you couple that with the quality of the production, the detailing oh, of the wow, close up yeah. shots of flowers being lifted out of the ground of uh, Bruce fumbling at the car door and when they first get wind that oh Harvey was poisoned where could this have been uh, I don't know if it was a direction or Kevin Conroy's choice but he hesitated before saying oh it was the, the Rose Diner as if he wouldn't know that straight away off the top of his head he just put that little bit of half a second Absolutely. of pause to put the more spin on the hesitation and uncertainty of yeah. the Bruce Wayne billionaire dude yeah I'm really glad you brought that up because again it's a brilliant character moment and, and a way of in the subtlest of ways separating the Bruce Wayne and Batman personas because he knew the name of that restaurant mm. absolutely but then you see and again it's, it's so clever I love the way that this show from day one is also pushing the detective aspect of Batman which still, I keep saying it week after week, no live-action interpretation has properly, fully managed to do, because I think that pause is very, very indicative of his detective brain work, because he doesn't think it was the restaurant. From that moment, he, he doesn't think it was the restaurant. And when he hugs Ivy after she visits the now almost terminally ill Harvey Dent... He hugs her and he remembers the kiss and he thinks... I feel like there was a moment of uncertainty where I feel like she may have tried to fumblingly kiss him. Because it looked that way. It really did. And that makes total sense because she would put as much responsibility on Bruce Wayne they as They were Harvey both did. there. Yeah. So she would want to try and target him for the same fate. So The same crime. But that's when he had that moment of realisation and was able to get all of the information needed for her eventual capture, which was excellent detective work. We get, I feel like we get glimmers of it in other Batman media. We get uh, Ben Affleck working out what the actual code name is as for where the kryptonite has come from across the world. Mm. We get mm. Christian Bale firing a remote, turret, yeah. a remote turret into those different kinds of brick to get a fingerprint of all things it's never been the focus of any big Batman media except this mm-hmm. I have high hope for Matt Reeves' um, project yes so for giving him that emphasis on it and I'd be very disappointed if he didn't draw heavy inspiration from this episode and episodes like it oh, from the past I couldn't yeah. agree more I mean because it's been a constant. From episode one, we've seen not just Batman the crime fighter, not just Batman the figure of fear, Batman the detective. It's literally every aspect of Batman from all eight decades of his history have been present, front-facing from the very beginning of this series. And as a Batman fan, which obviously everyone in the world knows I am, hmm. uh, especially you, son, because I torment you with it daily. Um, it's just great to see. And the other thing that stood out with that is the whole figure of fear thing. When Milo, um, who I recognise just from the stupid bowl haircut as the escapee from yeah. the penitentiary at the beginning, 
Um, this was clearly his first running with Batman because that whole figure of fear thing was brilliantly done in the like t- two minute fight chase sequence with Professor Milo. That is Batman, the creature of the night, that I am the night and oh, the wings, who are you? I'm your worst nightmare. That's just great. It's something that is the thing that's carried over the heaviest, I think, in the show into further Batman because we get the the live action, the Keatons, and the which live action movies would have been out at this time? This would just after because um, you'll see, you'll notice it really clearly when they bring in Penguin and Catwoman. Mm-hmm. It was just after Batman Returns because the Penguin is the flipper Penguin, yes, and Catwoman's blonde. Right. So you can see that this is almost um, the sequel. The, yeah, yeah, this is almost the sequel that, that Batman Forever and uh, Batman and Robin, many people say, should have been. Because it follows on almost perfectly from the two Keaton movies. But again, I think, and I do apologise for fans of the Tim Burton movies, because I'm a fan of the Tim Burton movies, but this series is infinitely superior to both of them, and virtually every other Batman yeah. media I've seen. It is the truest rounded portrayal of Batman. So much so that it, even in like small, honestly throwaway moments, it plays with the thing I love the most about Batman is that you don't know who he is because mm. there's a because even when he's in the same brown suit that he wears in every other Bruce Wayne <laughs> Which scene, we've mentioned before, but it's so why true. why is it the same brown suit? Do they not color him in anything else? I don't I don't care. It's a it's a wonderful charm yeah. of a nineties cartoon. Yeah. I don't care. It's that he still talks in the grovelly yes. Batman voice to Alfred. Yes. So he, you never know who is the real person. Yeah. And that's something that's always drawn me to Batman personally. Um, since we started this show, um, I've got a lovely, lot of lovely comments from people, both online and face-to-face, those who know us. And they say that, that they, they love the perspective we put on it and is... Batman the mask or is Bruce Wayne the mask which one's the real but a, a lot of people are saying well why is there a difference they are one and the same um, Bruce Wayne is Batman Batman is Bruce Wayne and that makes sense too and that's why he's such a fascinating character and 80 years later people are still fascinated by him because you can interpret it in every way that's why I think he's persisted so long and yeah. even over the superhero that has existed the longest, he is still more compelling and still a huger, more grounded part of like popular culture right now. Too many people. Everyone really respects the fact that he's a guy, mm. but not doing a thing that anyone could do, but not. They just. It's so hard to read a character who. It's honestly one of the last few well-known but enigmatic characters in himself. He's. In oh, the, well, good point. Yeah, he's the character is so well known. Everyone yeah. has a vision of it and an understanding, but he's animated because there are still so many things that are never made clear, mm. and that's why the Joker, not to bring him, pull him back in, yeah, is so important to him because he's just not solvable either. Uh, another thing I wanted to point out, which is nice, nice growling on from myself, uh, Poison Ivy in this early portrayal isn't exactly sold either she's yeah 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 
It's because she hasn't come into what I I would have expected to be her full potential yet. She dresses in red, bright green with the fiery red hair, but she doesn't have that like psychic control over plants yet. Mm-hmm. Which is something that honestly surprised me. I remembered it, but I didn't think it was quite so. She grew that Venus man trap thing, mm-hmm. and she's obviously cultivated everything else in that biodome, but she doesn't have the giant, swirling, growing things on command, moving, dangerous plant control thing yet, which I found really interesting. It's great because it does parallel more her journey and her growth as a character and as a villain in the comics too, and I like that. They didn't just go in with the full-blown and oh, pouring the them and what that script she had to work with in, in Batman and Robin, um, that whole almost Swamp Thing-level power Poison Ivy. You see her grow every episode she appears in from here but more importantly even though she doesn't have that level of power yet she's still frightening and she's still a force to be reckoned with without those powers just with her knowledge of botany i'd say that she's more frightening without it because her determination and her just blanket worldview and her kind of crazy specific yeah makes her more dangerous because she's capable of anything. Yeah. And, and her obsession is one that's based, honestly, similar to Batman's, on love, her love for her plants or her babies, as she specifically calls them. And that, what's more dangerous than a mother protecting a child? Not, almost nothing, yeah. honestly. It's very old drive that fuels her on past the end of the episode. We see her rattling onto herself Grateful that the plants were still under her care there in her cell with the weird scratches on the back. Just nice bits of detail there that the animators have made it seem more real than lived in. We get signs that she can go on. She's that dangerous because she's determined. And do you not think as well, I mean, more so in this episode, I think, than, than in the first four, again, the subtle nuances of, and I've got to say it again, the acting the animators have given these characters such personality that there's little hints of, of, of movement and facial expressions that I think Academy Award winning actors that have trouble matching. My little bits, I don't know if you spotted right at the end when Ivy's in her cell, the very slight rocking backwards and forwards mm. indicative of, of her mental condition. And the light bulb going off in Bruce's head when he's hugging and he realises, well, hang on, maybe this is how Harvey was poisoned with her kiss. It's just really brilliantly done. And this is a Saturday morning kids cartoon, which is everything but that. And another example of that is just uh, Bruce visibly uncomfortable as uh, his friend and his business lady are just like macking out right in front of him. (laughs) He's just like, "Mm, mm," trying to ignore so, so much good stuff in this episode from the opening scenes. I mean, I've got, I've got to say, um, Paul Dini, Batman legend, countless issues of Detective Comics, but this is where he gained prominence in this show, uh, along with uh, Michael Reeves and Tom Ruger, just wrote a terrific episode, and Boyd Kirkland, one of the best Batman animated series directors directed a, a brilliant brilliant story um so wrapping up um things that stood out for you positive or negative your takeaway from 
this uh, pretty poison episode as a whole? I felt that it was a really strong introduction of uh, another uh, cheeky favourite uh, villain of mine. I particularly like the where the characters evolved in current con- mm. continuity, her sort of amorality and uh, love affair with Harley Quinn. We have some of that to come potentially, but like as as an introduction to the character, driven and dangerous and manic and in love with her flowers is the truest version of the character, and it was really nice to see. Just a little moment I found really funny. Once they had done the trade-off of the antidote for the flower pot, and Batman eventually runs them through the garden and bursts out, there was a moment where she was cradling the, the roses. She's yeah. like, oh, my babies, my babies. But over her shoulder, I feel like there was a moment where Batman was staring into the camera, like out of the office. And yes, like, absolutely. What is she doing? Yeah, she's so well. crazy. She's cool, just cool. staring out into yeah. the audience. It's like, what is happening? Okay, can we can we go now? Have I solved the mystery? <laughs> that was just a nice little yeah. light moment that you wouldn't expect from Batman himself. Yeah. And I don't think that was intentional, but it's something that I sort of read into it. It looked great, and I, I totally saw that too. Good. I totally saw that too. Uh, and like again, for me, um, the little side things like Harvey and his donuts, and Commissioner Gordon bursting out of his office, and the way that the the ringing phone that's calling the commissioner in both scenes is like right up front of the screen, like he's taking up the whole screen, and his hand comes up and reaches out and grabs it. It's just little nods and, and tributes to the '60s Batman show, while closing the door on that era and, and, and bringing it slap bang into the present it's yeah, yeah. another thing about the 60s was that there were a few moments where the light was shining on on Batman that made him look almost more blue than black yes which made him look kind of 60s yeah but we get that sort of lighter tone and things to chuckle at like you'd get from Adam West in the 60s but crazed dangerous yeah villains. I think they were necessary in this Absolutely. episode and to show that this is not that and five episodes in they are grounded they know what they're doing with the show and it rings really clearly really clearly well said that's actually a very very good point because it's still a show finding its feet but I think the feet are well and truly planted by this point because this episode was absolutely brilliant what did I say to you as as the title's rolling oh brilliant yeah Yeah. that, that was a masterpiece Loved it. Yeah, great. Um, five episodes in, it's batting 100. Really, really good stuff. So, nothing left to say on this apart from the fact that I can't wait for the next one. And Adam, where can our listeners and readers of our multitude of websites find you? As we said in the opening, uh, I contribute a lot to Dark Knight News and DC Comics News. I review multiple titles a month they're all really strong at the current present and I'm very excited to see where a lot of them go you can also find me writing for our website yours and mine at fantasticuniverses.com I also uh, stream very regularly on twitch.tv forward slash no ordinary heroes I stream most Tuesdays playing Dungeons and Dragons with my very best friends in the world and you can find me on Twitter at isittinkerer I-Z-Z-E-T tinkerer and yourself Yes, another thing, obviously, friends in America um, who've been asking me, ZZ is ZZ um, to you lovely American folk over the pond. So, yes, I I am listening. 
and that's your comments and that's that's what that means uh, similar twitter at lstevo el underscore s-t-e-e-v-o for all my work on Dark Knight News and DC Comics News just google search Steve J. Ray you can catch this podcast and the other two brilliant DC Comics News Dark Knight News Network shows uh, the actual DC Comics News podcast and the Spinner Rack on Google Play Apple Podcasts Stitcher and everywhere else you find podcasts and both Dark Knight News and DC Comics News are available across social media Twitter Facebook Tumblr YouTube everywhere else you want to find good stuff that's DC Comics related but DC Comics News now reviews almost every uh, independent comic book series too so that's it from us this has been the fifth episode Pretty Poison of the I Am The Night podcast. He's Adam Ray. Here's The Night. We are The Night. This has been the I Am The Night podcast. Thank you for listening, and until next time, read more comics. Read them. They're good for you. Bye now. Thank you very much. Bye.